2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 22 through 26 in the Christian Standard Bible read as such. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. Here, Paul is instructing Timothy on how to prepare others to be teachers and leaders in the church. Uh, Joe, how can pursuing those who call on the Lord from a pure heart help the church to avoid pointless quarreling and escape the trap of the devil, like it says in the scripture? Uh, it, it opens the door for for love and authentic conversation and the opportunity to be able to cooperate in a way that leading with a quarrelsome attitude and all of that just simply doesn't. Hey, everybody, welcome to possibly your favorite Church Unity podcast. This is the whole church podcast. Welcome back or welcome for the first time, either or. Um, this is one of the roundtable discussions. If you if you hear the cool music that's happening right now that I don't hear, it's because we're doing a roundtable. And and this one is slightly less large than usual, which means we'll have a little bit more time to get a little deeper in some of these topics. So I'm really excited. We have a great table here today. Of course, we have the world's greatest co-host of all time, um, the one for whom the round table was made because without him, we all could just stand. But TJ simply deserves a seat at the table. So we had to invent a table for him to have a seat. TJ, Tubby Race One Blackwolf, welcome to your show. Thanks. Yeah. We're also here with the one and only host of Let Nothing Move You, one of the co-hosts of Systematic Ecology, um, one of uh one of the greatest people you'll meet one of uh my closest friends and a student of the southern baptist seminary in louisville kentucky the one and only christian ashley how's it going man all right joshua how about you i'm doing good doing good i'm enjoying these these big intros today that i wasn't planning on doing but for some reason my brain's just doing it so we're we're also joined by by a legend the myth the 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 turtle head himself the <laughs> The host of Buddy Walk with Jesus and a majority of the other podcasts that you might listen to because he does more podcasts than most people have the time to listen to. The one and only Joe Day. How's it going, man? Good to be here, man. I, I also should have been like said pastor, student, uh, resident, church member. Like, like he has more titles than I have time to say. Well, that's its own podcast. It's just introducing Joe. So <laughs> always good to have you, man. Um I'm excited. I'm excited for this roundtable. Last time we talked about cults and what could cause a church to become a cult, that kind of stuff. And then we kind of touched on what other traps the church could face. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what traps our local congregations and our the overall church might be facing in our modern times. That sounds really intense. I don't know. Yeah. And if you're interested in hearing shows like this one and other ones that you know we're just kind of friendly with, then check out the Anazal Ministries Podcast Network website. Uh, it's in the show notes below. 
Uh, you can also pay for a subscription on Apple Podcasts where you get it, all the extra content from everything. So check that out. Chat with us on Discord, and we'll help you figure that out if you're a little confused. Yeah. And and now we'll do my favorite form of unity. What One of my, my closest held spiritual practices that I, I almost never miss my weekly time of silliness and we do it on the show we ask a silly question just to start because it's impossible to not have unity when you're being silly enough so i wanted to say tj and i'll answer this first but i'm looking okay yeah tj and i will answer this last we'll let you guys answer first yeah because because this one you shouldn't have time to need a ton of time to think about it's pretty straightforward if you got to choose to ride on the back of a rhino a leopard a sloth bear or an ostrich to your next church event, which would you choose, Christian Ashley? Uh, I'm a, B, C, or D. Yeah, I'm choosing the sloth bear uh, in that if I'm able to tame such an animal, I have tamed what is, I believe, the second most aggressive bear in the world outside of the Himalayan black bear. And I'm all for that. Show people, oh, man, Christian's pretty, pretty dang cool. Mm-hmm. Solid. Solid answer. Only mistake was that was C, not D. But oh, whatever. <laughs> Joe, you you riding your next church event on a rhino, leopard, sloth bear, or an ostrich? Which you choose? Uh, one hundred percent an ostrich. I I just I think that would be the perfect animal to uh, to ride in on. Um, you know, with its colors and the color of my beard, it'll be a whole thing. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I think rhino might look coolest. Maybe ostrich just seems like it would be the most comfy. I, I love a good down feather pillow. And I'm like, you know, riding an ostrich has, has got to be a pretty comfy ride. So I'm, I'm going to go with that as well. TJ, take us home. All right. Um, a couple of notes. Uh, sloth bears, not very aggressive. They're mostly insectivores. <laughs> yeah, when it comes that being up said, humans, though. they're territorial. But I, I got to say, rhino sounds like the least convenient option here. It is. But it's cool by far, and I'm not positive that a leopard would be willing or could do that. Uh, so I'm also going to choose an ostrich. Hmm. Just it's so rare that TJ makes me feel like my opinions have been validated. That I just I just have to acknowledge. I could yeah. use comparing to, to do ostrich. something. Plus, yeah. I'll probably get there on time on an ostrich. Everything else is kind of. But Rhino, you'll look cool. You can bust through the wall when you get to your event. Yeah, it's an ostrich. I, I'm going to look cool either way to the wall with a oh yeah yeah and you can show up as the main villain in a spinoff movie based on a spider-man franchise that has nothing to do with spider-man and craven the hunter perfect so <laughs> moving on for today's purposes when we say the church we say the church that the word is important then we are probably referring to the collective of everyone who follows jesus and accepts salvation if we say just churches in the plural um, we're probably referring to individual groups of believers who meet together on a regular basis. So usually when someone says church, they mean the lower KC churches, your local congregation. Uh, just a little bit of a little bit of a importance in how we distinguish this. If you say the church or churches, capital C church, we're referring to all of the church, lower KC church, we're referring to just those local congregations. So if you hear any of those terms used today, that's what we're talking about. Right. In our last roundtable, we discussed how the church is different from a cult and how we can keep our churches from developing some dangerous traits that lead to cult-like behavior. Uh, Joshua, you mentioned there are other traps churches should be aware of. Can you explain what you mean by that? Hmm. Man, I forgot 
that this is like the only time a round table that like something I said spend off the next round table. So I forgot I was going to have to answer this. So then I came up with something to say like this that I could stall to think of an answer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, especially if we're looking back at like a lot of what Nathan Gilmore was saying in that last episode, he was talking about really the danger isn't for churches to have synchronism with other religions, but rather to have the synchronism with the American religion. You know, you're rather, you're more likely to hear God bless America. You're more likely to incorporate pledge allegiance to America in your church than you are like, say some kind of Buddhist ritual or something. So he, he was saying there was a specific danger in that. And that sort of spinned off into the cult conversation. when we're talking about like uplifting certain people, uplifting our politics over what the church is actually about. And when we think of that, like, I don't even know if that's the most evident danger that the church faces. There's a lot of things that aren't cult that are still traps. You know, think of these leaders who talk about like the authority chain and what they really mean is you have to answer to them. And they're kind of they might say priesthood of believer, but they kind of ignore that in practice. Right. Or you, you look at some of the other dangers of just like. This is a two-sided one that I don't have a good answer for, but, you know, you have that Billy Graham rule of, you know, never be alone with a woman. But then you also have that danger of because we're never letting anyone be alone with a woman, the woman never is able to form the relationships to have an important role in the church. So you have dangers on both sides of this of like, yeah, we don't want to look like we're up to anything, but also we don't want to create an environment where no one has the ability to move forward and create the relationships they need to. So I think there are a lot of dangers and traps the church faces that are more what Caitlin Chess called on our show more political, but not in the sense of American politics or that kind of thing, but more in the sense of how do we manage people that I think we really need to be aware of. All right. So before we get into this, I want to try a little, a new, a new thing. Not really a, not really a segment, but it's something new for us, for the whole church. <laughs> uh, and before we get into discussing the traps that churches may face, we're going to play a little game. Uh, not a saw game. Don't freak out. You're not going to get locked to your chair. Uh, I wasn't freaking out before, but... Don't worry. It's completely safe. I have no malintentions. Many of us have been warned or heard of churches warning members for, of different traps. For example, if you listen to that kind of church, you'll stop reading your Bible and find yourself lost. So for this segment, we're going to go around and everyone will say one warning they've heard a pastor or church give to them or a different church member. And we'll ask the rest of the table today to make a positive noise like, uh-huh, yep, preach, amen, hallelujah, if they agree with the warning. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, we'll ask hmm. the rest of the table to make a disapproving noise like, oh, no, uh, and yeah. If you think that's a bad warning or a red flag at the end, we nominate a person to pick a favorite and least favorite of the Travis mission to explain what he liked and what he didn't like. Can't vote for yourself. Hmm. Is anyone confused? Listeners, you can rewind 30 seconds. You guys, I'm not explaining it again. I'm good. Fun. Okay. So, Josh, you go first. Um, okay. Okay. I have one that is, uh, I've been warned before not to read books from that guy. If you do, you're going to start questioning inerrancy and it's a slippery slope to believing that the Bible is not true. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Red flag. Bad warning. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, do I go again or do we just go round table in this? I will just go Christian. Okay. Um, I will not mention names, but we have family friends who will say I already know that. this is an ick. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, you can only read from the KJV and nothing else. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> mm. Joe, uh, Joe, what about you? Uh, if you associate with those people, next thing you know, you are going to uh, start believing things about the Bible that aren't true. Were they Baptist? <laughs> Bro, you weren't supposed so, to say you weren't supposed to say that out loud. So, so the yeah. one I heard, uh, the one I can remember really is uh, when we put our flag above God's flag, then we aren't God's people. Mm, amen. Yeah, mm, I yeah. like that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, big fan of that one. We got we got some extras. Who has more? Ah, uh, ooh, ooh, I have one. I have one. If you read that progressive book and you don't read a conservative counterpart, you're intentionally falling away from God. Eh? That's how I feel. Uh, I'm iffy on that one. Uh, Both. <laughs> Like I, like, like, like I was amen until he said you fall away from God is the part that I was like, that part's yeah. dick. But I do yeah. think you should read both. Yeah. You should yeah. challenge yourself. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, just... I'll step out and say not mixed. I'm just going to go hard. No, I think <laughs> I think if you uh, I think if you know if you know what you're doing, you can go ahead and read progressive books and not, you know, be in danger of heresy. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm convinced. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Hmm. Yeah. Any other good church warnings? Uh, don't go to those uh, Pentecostal churches. Otherwise, Ick. you're gonna start. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't say. I couldn't. I couldn't say it with a straight face because I could see. Uh, I could see TJ. The look on TJ's face. Uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, next thing you know, you're just going to start speaking in tongues and start ignoring the entirety of Scripture. Yuck. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, I have a good one. Yuck. I have a good one. <laughs> um, before you do that sacrament, make sure you've read about the history of it. Mm. Amen. Context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sacrament was, I think, was penance specifically. So. I don't know if that helps. I can get behind the spirit of that. I like it. If yeah. I'm allowed to amen my own, I I liked that warning. I'm always in favor of researching things before you just do it. Yeah. How about um, uh, your body is supposed to be a temple, so you can't ever listen to anything unwholesome. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. I've heard that one. I'm, I'm I wasn't confused. Where does, how does that like, even make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, right, I'll, all right. I'll, I'll one up that your body is a temple so that way you can't have uh, tattoos or piercings yeah yeah <laughs> one of the best pastors I ever had was a tatted up man who looked like Jesus so can't really Amen. argue yeah <laughs> I'm not touching that all right. one <laughs> alright so so it's time uh, Christian what were your favorite and least favorite warnings oh man I should have been keeping a list Knowing this was a question. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Ignoring mine. Let's see. Um, Goodness gracious. We literally just said these. 
Someone else take, <laughs> save me from this, please. <laughs> TJ, what was the first one you said? That was my favorite. But I already forgot what it was. Uh, we put our flag over God's flag. We're not yeah. God's Ooh. people. Yeah, yeah that's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Also, mm. since when does God have a flag? <laughs> or a church flag. Just yeah. What is what is the church flag? Our church has a flag. Like our denomination yeah. has has a flag. Yeah, I, I feel like as the has, one like, true church, we have a flag. Yeah, it, it's like symbolic. I think it has like the fish, the bread, and something else on it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it. something we're attached to. It's just yeah. I'm, you know. I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Cocot flag. <laughs> um. Yeah, I still I still ask my favorite. Just you know. Country's flag shouldn't be yeah. too high. Least favorite? I'm, I'm going to let Joe take least favorite. <laughs> There's so many bad ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my my least favorite was um, the uh, progressive and conservative book one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm torn because I still think it's a good idea. That warning really does just ruin the advice. <laughs> yeah, a little... Little phrase at the end there. Yeah. All right. So you know, let us know how you thought about our first whole church game show and what we can do to improve <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. So straight to the point for this episode. Um, I'm gonna be a little bit vague here, but let's see if we can just create a list of what traps we most fear the church in our churches might fall for, specifically in our American context, just because that's what we're most familiar with. Um, although if you have some from out that just applied in general extra points i guess i don't know um christian what or do you have anything that you're like man our churches really need to look out for blank having a singular leader who has no checks and balances in place has a bunch yes. of yes men around him that can cause the church to go astray because there is no one keeping track of what he's supposed to be doing mm. hard yes i am your yes man <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this in a line just from how I'm looking at you guys on the screen. TJ, you got anything? Uh, I don't know if it's a trap per se, but you know, like the money, 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 like worry about the funds, the church budget. Mm. I think that gets a lot of churches in bad spots. Mm. It's a really easy one to fall into because you do have to worry about it. Ooh, that reminded me of mine. Joe, do you, <laughs> you have any other things you're concerned yeah. with for the oh. church? Overemphasizing ourselves as the hero in the hero's story. Um, mm. So much of the Bible is is um, taught in the American context from a standpoint of the hero's journey, and it's it's really problematic when when you get when you get down to it. Mm. Man, yeah. Okay, I got two, and I'll throw it to whoever else just has any extras. Um, First one would be overemphasizing. So this is a little bit different than over-denominationalizing or over-tribalizing, but I think each denomination genuinely has good focuses, or not maybe not each, but a lot of them, like the Pentecostal church, really good at being passion, but maybe can over-focus on that passion and leave out some of the stuff that they could benefit from hearing out their Baptist brother, who, you know, maybe the Baptists are over-focusing on the intellectual and forgetting that there is a little bit of mysticism and, and emotional and fervor that, to it all. And, you know, you know, you could go down the list. I think a lot of churches overemphasize sacraments, et cetera, just kind of overemphasizing what you're good at to the detriment of what you're not good at. Um and then, of course, we, we have to – man, I'm going to end up doing three. We have to do Christian nationalism because we mentioned the flag thing last time. 
So I feel like that's a big trap. Um, the other one I was going to mention, though, was it was close to Joe's. Joe made me think of it, and then I forgot it. That sucks. <laughs> Joe, what was yours again? <laughs> um, why am I why am I blanking? Same reason I am. Yeah, we're someone hit us all with an obliviate spell at some point in time during this conversation. Yeah, it had to happen. <laughs> oh man, ah, there's there's so many I hear uh, hero worship, like in mm-hmm. overemphasizing the hero story. Oh yeah, over contextualizing scripture. Don't ask how I got that from what he said. It's, <laughs> but that was my other thing is that we we contextualize it to the point that it no longer means what it means. That's a trap I think churches and church leaders all fall for. Do you mean whether that contextualizing it in the present sense or contextualizing it in in history? I think both. Both can be worrisome. I think sometimes we contextualize it in history so much that we just kind of do the uh, the, the what do they call it the uh, exegetical jumping jacks to kind of make it say what you want. If you add enough context, it kind of looks like if you squint and turn your head. And then sometimes we over contextualize it in our world to the point where it's like you know it's just not stop that. <laughs> That's not what the verse is saying. So I, th- I think both. Does that count as two separate traps that I'm warning about? I don't know. It's your show, so you get away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have any other traps that we we're concerned? So for I'd our say congregations are uh, overcorrecting to the point of not mentioning hellfire and brimstone at all, Ooh, and yeah, that same way of overcorrecting to the point of not mentioning sin at all. Hmm. Yeah, that goes for both sides too. Some people are just so upset of like. We're not mentioning sin enough that it's like they kind of forget to mention the part of uh, you, you can be free from sin. <laughs> like we we got to do mention both. Yeah. Yeah. TJ, Joe, y'all have any other any other traps that we should uh, we should be looking out for thinking about? Uh, it's hard to notice a good, well-built spike pit. <laughs> Especially in these South Carolina churches, we've got some big potholes in the parking lot. So watch out for those. I mean, yeah, not maintaining our ground and causing members to financially suffer for attending our churches. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I try to spin that. <laughs> Joe, you got anything last else or? Yeah, yeah, I got one that's that's going to be a little spicy. Um, oh, overemphasizing the the sinner's prayer and the altar call. Mm. You know, I yes. think. I think it's a it's a byproduct and 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 this is one of those things that uh you know um a testament a testament to the holy spirit that there is such a thing as disagreeing well um you know I I have I've had the ability to have many a conversation with Christians so I know I know where his heart is is coming from in saying that and I don't disagree with the idea that actions have consequences I do disagree with if you're if you're preaching relationship, you really don't need to touch the the sin portion of it. And especially if you're if if you're emphasizing the fact that like the counterpoint is separation from from God, not like burning for all of. Yeah, not the pain and torture part, the separation part. So, um, but but the the whole gimmick behind it is. relationship with God and, and, um, that act of that act of trust and all of that kind of stuff that, um, most, most attempts at the altar call 
or that sinner's prayer and all of that kind of leave that whole concept wanting more because we're not really teaching like lordship or what that what that prayer actually means or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. this kind of goes with Christian nationalism a little too, but not bringing how to word this, not bringing American ideals for our biblical characters as to why it's a good thing they did what they did. And I think of what uh, Brandon actually spoke of this on a systematic episode we just did, where he just did Genesis 32, talking of Jacob wrestling with, you know, either God or pre-incarnate Christ or an angel, what have you. It's like, yeah, the American idea is you just keep getting at it. You grab onto it. You're going to get what you want versus seeing Jacob in that desperation. He's about to face home again. He has nothing left like uh, and he has to fight with all he has for the sake of everything around him, not this like, you go, boy, that gumption, that that American spirit's going to get you through it. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, quick comment on, on uh, Joe and Christian's sin meta conversation that happened, I guess. Um, I, I got to say, as much as I agree we need to talk about sin more to, to what Joe was saying, I think it's important we define what sin is, and that does revolve around whether you're not you're in relationship with God, and that's the important bit, so... Yeah. And and that actually leads to another one that I think is a trap when we have an over-reliance on um, either feelings or theology. Mm, yeah. Neither mm. one in and of themselves is the right play. It's a matter of relationship and yes, we have the we have the the core fundamentals of doctrine. We're given that for a reason. We're given we're given the guidelines for a reason. But when whenever we go too far in one direction or another, we very easily lose lose the beat on what it is that we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Can oh, I say oh, one more not- that's going to upset people? Yes, but keep in mind, we have to choose just three of these. So I hope you remember them all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, bringing up an ascent in a church context, in any way, shape, or form, how you vote, an American holiday, like and it go- government policy, and any of it, like bringing it up during it, like whatever. If a, if a pastor is is having a beer with his buddies or or having a conversation with a friend over coffee or whatever grape juice whatever you want to do um what whatever people have their opinions and i'm not going to begrudge anybody having having their opinions lord knows as a pastor i have my opinions um in a worship gathering nah not the time not the place that needs to stay up i'm gonna i'm gonna mostly agree I'm going to put an asterisk beside my agreement. This is like the concurrence. <laughs> I uh, I got to say, I, I think there are moments whenever maybe it's talking about the widowed or the foreigner in scripture, maybe not specifically mention your take on a policy or anything like that. But I feel like it would be okay if the pastor said, this should inform how you think about these other things without being explicit of, this is about this, you know, that's just my thought. Yeah. So we have to... Uh, deliberate. We have to parse this down to three of these traps that we just named that we'll get back to later. Hmm. And there there just so happens to be three people that aren't me here. So that <laughs> lines up perfectly. So you're going to pick all three? Nope. Christian nationalism? That's my pick? 
Christian gonna... Ashleyism. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of Christian, I I'm gonna pick his of having a singular voice that is unchallenged oh. mm. yeah, in like leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Christian, you're obligated to pick one of TJ's now. I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> I'm just thinking, why didn't I? I have a notebook right here. I could have been writing these down. And I remember <laughs> nothing of what we've talked about. This is how poorly my mind has gone going in the seminary. Is someone writing these three down, speaking of which? <laughs> yes. Good. Well, then now I don't get out of this. No, you don't. God dang it. I heard you speak. I agreed with the words. And now they're gone, <laughs> like, like vapor in the wind. Hmm. Um, I will choose Christian naturalism because that's the last thing I remember someone saying. Fine. Then I get to pick a different one. <laughs> I'm picking the sin one that we disagreed about. <laughs> Excellent. Take that world. TJ okay. loves when I do this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for, and I guess you could call this also sort of a game show segment, but not to my face. I won't agree with you. Pointless conversation. <laughs> we like to do our roundtable roundup for our roundtable episodes. I'm going to read out four questions so everybody knows what they are. I'm going to go back one at a time, and each of you can answer one of the four questions, one of them. Uh, you must repeat the question you're answering. No one can respond or ask any follow-up questions until after the roundup is complete. So some of these might not get answered. Mm-hmm. So our questions are. We both have to participate. Yes. <laughs> our questions are, how can churches evaluate themselves to see where they might need to guard themselves better? What traps have you seen churches fall for before? How can self-governing churches hold themselves accountable if they have no tradition or authority to answer to? And how do we know if the traps we face are a result of the system from religion itself? So, uh, Joe, do you know which one of our four questions you're going to be answering? Uh, how do we know if um, the traps are a result of people or religion itself? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just, just go for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think when part, part of this is honest inventory, where if, if you are looking at... Um, the things that are being said, the things that are being done, the the specifics of the situation and the people that are involved, then if as, as long as you are being honest about it, you will reach a conclusion of one one way or the other, like like the, it will become evident where the root of the issue is now. Sometimes that root is a misunderstanding or mishandling of religion. It might not be purely based off of the people and their shortcomings, but a a, a misunderstanding. You know, I'm taken back to um, the episode that you guys just did with Brandon with the um, misconceptions of everybody's denomination. Um that some some of that stuff was a prime example of what I'm talking about, where there's a misunderstanding of of what the actual text is saying or what the actual practice is or whatever like that. And so um, I, I think so long as you're you're willing to thoughtfully explore the topic, you'll see where the breakdown is. But that requires mm-hmm. people to be humble and be willing to be to be wrong. <laughs> 
about a thing. You know what I mean? Hmm. Are we still supposed to say amen or ick? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to say now, amen. I was going to say, now I'm real curious <laughs> about whether or not you were going to say amen or ick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, J. Cole was right. Pride is the devil. Uh, banger song. That stops everything. In my opinion, for me personally, I, I'm going to answer what traps I've seen churches fall before or before. Uh, Wendy's four for four. I think most notably uh, is the sole pastoral authority. Yeah. Mm. I, I've seen turn churches into uh, the equivalent of brain mush. As close as you can get an establishment in a community to brain mush. That's like, that's what sole pastoral authority can do for you. Yes. And yeah, turning this welcoming pillar of the community into a aggressive, almost cult-like gatekeeping assembly yeah yeah so uh josh do you know what uh what are you doing? <sighs> man um i'm so glad there's an outline so i can read repeat the question um how can self-governing churches hold themselves accountable if they have no tradition or authority to answer to i was going to answer the other one we haven't done yet but uh i'm hoping christian does that one because i feel like he has a better answer than i do so i'm going to go with this one <laughs> Uh, I think the best way to hold yourself accountable as a self-governing church is the same way you'd hold yourself accountable if you were part of a denomination that answered to a chain of bishops or whatever. Have a self-governing politic in your church, you know, have dean, you know, deacons, not deans, who hold your pastor accountable. Have something inside your church. And then also, just because you don't answer to a tradition, you don't see tradition as authority, does not mean you can't look to tradition for a path of you know a good path you know good advice ways to go like i, I feel like it can still be um as jerome talked about some of the other books that weren't included in the bible helpful um the beneficial but not authoritative so i think you can do that with tradition too. see it as beneficial see it as something that can help your faith strengthen your church and how it's ran without seeing it necessarily as authoritative I'm not saying you have to. It's just saying I, I think that is one way you could do that with a self-governing church. I still think you can be self-governing without having that one person in charge. All right. Question, best for last. Of course. I will take the question that Joshua mentioned. That is, how can churches evaluate themselves to see where they might need to guard themselves better? Well, I mean, this can really only happen if you're keeping an account of what you've done. And if you're not doing that, you can't then look back and say, okay, this is what we were attempting to do last year. What were our successes? What were our failures? If you go, man, we're just having church and that's good and not looking back at the past. Well, maybe things are going well, but you don't know for sure. You've got to ask serious questions like how did people respond to the sermons? How many people were coming to small groups who were of their own free will? It didn't feel like they had to be there. Uh, how many times did the church go out into the community beyond the borders of a building and reach out to people and deliver services. I, if you don't keep an account of that, you're never going to be able to say, yeah, I think, I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, we don't need to worry about anything. We're doing things right. It's like, and that too, you need to look at your leaders. What are they doing and what are they saying? Are they being honest with you and saying, hey, like I struggle with this. You know, a pastor comes up, you know, on a I don't know, uh, a lesson about pride and says, hey, this is something I'm real bad at, or I'm real bad at lust, or I'm real bad at whatever. And not in the point where we have to go into the gritty details to the entire congregation, but like, hey, this is something I need people around me to keep me accountable. Are your other leaders doing the same? 
And once again, I don't need the nitty gritty. I don't need a list of every single transgression someone has done. But if there's no accountability at all, there's not someone working together with a pastor per se, or there's not uh, someone working with one of the deacons to make sure that he or she, because deacons can be women too. I, I know that's real strong opinion there, but that is actually scripture. And get to that point of, amen. okay, who's keeping them accountable? Mm-hmm. Well, if there's no one, you're never going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So we've done the calling. How about the responding? Who's ready to get up in arms about one of these answers? This is a weird round table where I pretty much agree with everybody. Um, can I just, can I add on to things? Mm, it's not in the outline. I'm mm. just going to say, I super agree with TJ. That's definitely the, the one I've seen the most is the yeah. uh, toxic yes. leadership kind of deal. Um, and then <laughs> what Christian was saying, to, Joe said everything I needed to, I thought to say on that same question. Um, but with Christians, I, I very much agree, and I very much think that not to toot our own horn for our other podcasts, Systematic Ecology, I think that one thing that we're doing right now that I'm really proud of is we're taking a break from looking at some of our download numbers and refocusing on what are the other metrics we care about. Do we want to look at how many you know, people we interacted with outside of the show. We want to look at like some of these other metrics that aren't just how many butts are in your seat. And I think that's a good way to avoid this. Yes, you should know how many people attend your church and all that stuff. Don't permanently take a break from all that. But it's important to refocus every now and then. I think what other metrics of our church do we want to focus on to hold ourselves accountable to? So I thought that was really good. Was yeah, I'm going to take a page out of Josh's book and jump in with – um more of an addition than like a rebuttal because I think some of the core stuff that we're all hitting on um, is, is kind of hovering in the same space, but to, to again, piggyback of, off of what, um, uh, off of what TJ said, I have personally been in a church context where there was a single pastor and um I'm going to use cult like. I don't mean it in the same way when if for those of you that are that are listening that listened to our last round table um I don't I don't mean cult in the exact same way. I mean more like um like a cult of personality sort of thing. Um even under the best of uh, of circumstances, right? I, I'm going to try and be as absolutely generous as I possibly can. You don't have some mustache twirling, egomaniacal dude sitting in the leadership seat. Like we're talking about somebody who really means well. If it's one single voice, you run the risk of that person being the face of the church. That single solitary person. And if there's a single solitary person who's the face of the church, then you lose sight of the of the face of the church being Jesus. And unfortunately, people aren't really wired to be able to hold that responsibility. So like as generous as I'm trying to be, oftentimes then that that will dovetail into um, personal opinion and personal conjecture being mixed into what is scriptural and all of that kind of stuff. Like we are all imperfect men. You've heard, like if you're listening with a fine tooth comb, Mm -hmm. you can absolutely tell 
out of the four of us where our leanings are. Like I'm sitting back and listening and I can say, oh yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense that Josh is a, uh, a church unity guy. And oh yeah, that absolutely makes sense that Christian attends a Southern Baptist uh, seminary. And oh yeah, that absolutely makes sense that TJ is a Pentecostal. <laughs> and, and so all, all, but, that's why in any of our contexts, if we were to be pastors and as the active pastor out of the group, this has only been refortified, like even more intensely fortified that that this cannot be a solo, a solo gimmick. You know what I mean? And so I think even the best of intentions, when put at the feet of man, can be corrupt and distorted and and different things like that. And I understand that's hard for small churches. Trust me, if anybody, if anybody out of this group gets that, when you're talking about a house church level, when you're talking about a church plant level, the whole nine yards, that's a hard thing to have a plurality of leadership. But the reality is, is that the name of the game is creating disciples that can, that can create disciples. So if you're doing that, then very quickly that problem becomes a non-issue. Mm. Yeah. I know it's a little bit of sidetrack now, but just because I want to respond to some of that. Um, yes, all of that, deeply all of that. Um, C.S. Lewis, of course, I have to mention C.S. Lewis. Um, one of my favorite things that he he writes about in um, the Screw Tape Letters is this warning of Christian ands. You know, if we can, it's demons talking in the book, and they're saying the one way to keep them from being Christian if we make them Christian and the cause, Christian and the war, Christian and the politics, Christian and vegetarianism, whatever that and is, to distract them is important. It doesn't matter if it's a good or bad thing as long as it becomes part of their identity. And I think that's the one thing is we got to keep Christian as our identity and the other things as beneficial maybe, but not part of the identity. Um, and yeah, uh, that's one thing that stood out in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast to me was listening to those first few episodes, hearing the things that Mark Driscoll was doing to help those in his community, how he would go out of his way to love on people. And I was thinking, man, this guy, he sounds like me, not to be arrogant, but I was like, oh, that's something I've literally done before some of these things. And then the more you heard it, though, I was like, yeah, I could have fell for this trap very easily and that was the scariest part of that to me yeah now i'll follow up with what you were saying earlier josh about uh the church that has no tradition or authority besides what it is by itself because i've been in one of those and actually i've been in several of those but in one i'm thinking of more clearly there was a person a very great teacher a very good lover of people who did raise up people and say, hey, like, hey, this is where I'm at. I need you to hold me accountable and all this mess. But there was no support for any other church, even though there was an opportunity since this spun off of another church for that to happen. I don't know all the details there. I'm not here to like send rumor mongering or anything, but like the decision was made. No, we don't want to be beholden to them at some point. And when things got worse, especially during COVID, that got felt a lot. And those same people he rose up to be the people, to be the deacons, to watch over the church. Well, some of them weren't ready. And some of that had to do with like, we only had a limited amount of people who could have done the job. It was a very small group, but it caused problems when uh, what broke the church apart was church discipline. 
and using the foundation of scripture, it wasn't handled as well as it could have. And because of that infighting group and the church just kind of fractured. And this was someone who had started like, hey, I never want to be the church where we're arguing over, you know, the color of the carpet or something like that. Yet it wasn't that that broke the church. We were fine there. Mm -hmm. But it was in the actual teaching with no one else to oversee that that caused the issue that killed that church. As the church planter out of the group, can I can I respond? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um yeah, so a lot of that is is born out of um rushing the issue. The church discipline thing, um, that's its own kettle of fish. Um if uh, I and I'll and I'll say this and then just leave this leave this grenade for for anybody. Um if your um if your version of church discipline has anything to do with anything other than restoration to to the gospel, um, then you're doing church discipline wrong. If it's about uh punishing people, you're you're doing church discipline wrong. Just throwing that out there. Um but when you are a small church and you are building this thing out um, and you don't have a team around you, if there aren't people around you that are equipped to support the church and to be a part of the launch team and all of that kind of stuff, then you need to wait. Then you need to not launch. It's that simple. Mm. Like, yeah, you could have this calling and all of this kind of stuff and great, but guys, some of the most successful church plants, they that like from the time of the call to the time of the launch you're talking like a year and a half two years three years sometimes like a road and and having all of that set up ahead of time is exactly the thing that helps remedy falling into the trap of well because we're a house church or because we're a small church and we don't have the infrastructure to have a whole bunch of leaders and all of that kind of stuff, then it's we're, we're falling on, on the sword of um, a, a limited leadership and, and all of that kind of stuff. Like so many of that, so much of that all comes from this point of, hotshotting the idea without actually taking proper planning steps and all of that kind of stuff. And honestly, that's part, that's, that's another thing that I would even throw out there uh, retroactively as, as a trap is this idea of trying to hotshot these things, trying to just follow a trend or trying to, Oh, I want to open a church. So I'm going to open up a church in the next six months. I've never met a successful plant that happened in six months. I'm not saying they don't exist. I don't know every single church plant, but as somebody who who has has planted in three different countries and we're actively working on a fourth, I have never seen a successful church plant take less time than like a year, and even that was quick. Yeah, I I'm going to make a comment on this and then move forward to our next thing, but I a long time ago had a vision for Anazam and originally to me, Anazal was going to be kind of like a church community senator. It was going to be this resource. It's a church that connects other churches and all these things. And man, I'm really glad I didn't try to fund a building and make that happen. And I waited because I, I think now I'm seeing more and more clearly that God's starting this online with this thing and being a resource through podcasts and different YouTube channels, whatever to help churches that way first. And then maybe it'll become something else later. Yeah. 
But I think that patience was important. Um, also, quick reminder, Book of Acts, there was someone who prophesied that if Paul and them went to Israel, they were going to be taken by the Romans and murdered. And then the prophecy was false. The Jews did it. It was the Hebrews. It was not the Romans. Why? Because I think sometimes we hear from God, we immediately act, and we just blurt before we wait for clarity and pray about the thing. And I think sometimes it's important that we uh, we wait. I think that's a good message. Now, to move forward, <laughs> we chose three, three traps earlier, way earlier now, it seems like, before we did that roundtable. And um, TJ wrote down what they were. We're all just going to say why we chose what we chose. So, uh, I know Christian nationalism was what Christian chose. I know I chose... The um, we don't talk about sin enough, and then Joe, what did Joe choose? J- TJ, uh, pastoral <laughs> authority, soul wow, pastoral that's a good authority. one. Yeah, I'm glad someone chose that one. Um, I'll explain mine and then throw it to Christian. So, I, I chose the sin one, even though we disagreed a little bit about it, because I think if we don't talk about consequences, if we act like there isn't anything that can break that relationship or harm our relationship with God, we are in a lot of danger of just justifying whatever we want to justify and then being completely separate from God's will because we don't bother thinking about what it takes to be separate from God's will. So even though we have a little bit of disagreement on it, I think we'd all agree on that being a problem. And that's what I think is important to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Christian. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Christian nationalism, I've got a record on the show as saying, I love this country. I still think America's the greatest nation in the world, but that's the best of the worst. And of a group of people who don't love God as an entire world outside of those who've been called to him and all the good America has done in this world has also led to a lot of bad too. So when I try to introduce the concept of, I need to stand behind this nation that has done great good and done great evil into a church that throughout history has done great good and great evil. I'm adding another problem, another hurdle someone else has to jump over to get into that church, to see who God is, that wouldn't exist if I didn't place such an emphasis on this. And like I said, I love this country, but it's not God's country. There is no such thing on this world until the time, the time comes. I want to go on the record of saying I, I also love America. I do not think it's the greatest country in the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Joe. This, sorry, I had to process through all of the things that I wanted to say, but am not. Um, so, so everything as far as the the solo um, the, the solo authority, you know, I think when when we have the different iterations of, um, well, I'm going to take Pastor So and So's word for it. I'm going to take. Um, this person or that person's word for it, or I heard it at church or something along those lines is when we start to run into the, the problems and the issues of, um, not understanding things for ourselves. And so I, I think that's, that's really at the foundation of having a, uh, of having a, a proper understanding when it comes to, um, how to how to navigate whether or not we understand things or whether or not we're just taking the pastor's word for it you know what i mean like when when we have solo pastorship um we we just it's it's sketchy waters 
it's it's just who gets to hold the the loaded gun i i nobody's really um responsible enough to to hold the loaded gun so so which of these do we think is the biggest danger i'm gonna go in the the single authority one for 500 (laughs) now second i I think to, to me the reason that's the biggest that i would say that's the biggest danger is um the single authority if you address that issue i think you can address all of the issues right like I think if we don't have one person in charge, we have someone holding them accountable. Hopefully someone is in the spirit enough to say, wait, Christian nationalism is bad and can warn against that teaching. Hopefully someone's there that can say, wait a minute, we should actually talk about our relationship with God and what sin is. You know, hopefully we're actually holding each other accountable and they're not one person at the top. We can address all the other issues. So I think for me, even though I didn't choose it, (laughs) that would be what I think is the biggest danger of the ones we talked about. Yeah. Does anyone disagree? No, but uh, I'll follow up with that because Josh and I attended the same church in college and he left before <laughs> things went a little bad in that the church was still very successful. But as far as people being met where they were instead of where the pastor wanted them to be, things changed a lot. And I actually just talked about this on Let uh, Nothing Move You, where there was this ideal you had to be as a man. You I, I went tongue in cheek, but it's kind of not far from the truth. You had to carry like a you know, two ton bit of lumber in one arm and have your wife and 2.5 children in the other arm while you're also throwing a football at the same time. That's a man. And if you don't line up to that, well, you're not going to be brought up for leadership or anything like that. Uh, you're not going to be considered seriously unless you change yourself. And that's all because of the ideas of one man, which trickled down and everyone kept saying, yes, yes, yes. Versus, well, what about this? What about this? There wasn't that person that I am aware of who was saying that. And it led to a lot of people leaving and a lot of people being hurt. Yeah. And uh, we have just been joined by Elizabeth Pengeling and Claude, uh, friend of the show, host of Systematic Geekology. And so if you hear a, a sudden, uh, much higher pitched voice than you're used to, uh, that is Pang. So uh, how can churches avoid these traps that we are so worried about? Uh, anybody, Christian? Accountability. Well, yeah, uh, earlier, uh, I, I'm astounded. I remembered one thing someone said today. You mentioned humbleness being a major part of being a leader. And if you have a leader who is willing to be humble and say, keep me accountable. Don't let me just flake and do whatever I, whatever I want from the stage and the pulpit, like be on me at times, not uh, like continually like hound them, but like say, Hey, like, are you keeping up with your Bible reading? Are you praying? Are you looking after the people you say you care about? Like, that's a good way to do it because then they're realizing, Oh, someone did what I told them to do. And it's for the benefit of everyone around me. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, Elizabeth, you are part of a church in Charleston area that's um, it's part of a denomination. So I don't think it's technically considered a mega church, but it is multi-site. How how does accountability work in your church and how it functions? Yeah, I think we when what's technically a mega church is just the size. Uh, Great. Most people. Yeah, most people classify um, us as a mega church just because it's a big building and we have a lot of people. For some reason, I always just think it has to be non-denominational, but I guess that's just a made-up thing in my head. (laughs) Yes. 
You're wrong again. Yep. But so with ours, we are board directed and board led. So we have a board that they are in charge of the finances of the church. And every year we always have a meeting with the members. So anything big season wise, even if we want to change like our doctrines or like just for the church, not the assembly of God, of course, we always do votes and whatnot. Interesting that you're board directed and board led and not God directed and God led. I'm just you know kidding. what I mean. You say accountability. So <laughs> does anybody else have any other ways that we could avoid some of these traps, uh, like the ones we haven't gotten to discussing sin too much or not enough? Christian nationalism. Don't be a Christian nationalist. Hmm. I think that one's pretty simple. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, having having a plurality of people that you're willing to allow for them to accentuate strengths and compensate for weaknesses. A lot of that, a lot of what we're talking about here gets forgiven at the hands of um, having, having that team dynamic that can address these different things. And honestly, just being self-aware as, as leaders, you know, within, within the church, we, as, as Christians in general, this is a true statement. If you are in leadership within the church, it is your responsibility to be self-aware and understanding where you're at. And if everybody on your team is self-aware of where they're at, you can be honest about what is and isn't taking place, what has crept in, what issues are there. Yeah. I, I'm going to do a shameless plug and my, my next, my next, um, how I think we could avoid some of these things advice, I guess. I don't know. Why don't we call it? Um, and we've talked about this before on other round tables. I really believe there's a lot of importance in what people see. Um, you know, that's going to go for our upcoming series. We're doing church imagery. That's the, that's the shameless plug, but also, you know, it, it goes all around and this, this can address any of these issues. You know, I think if what we're seeing is a, a lot of depictions of only the good side of church and not the bad side, then yeah, we're probably not going to be talking about sin and our relationships that much, right? If what we're seeing is a pastor on a stage and that's it, then <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to focus on that one leader. He's going to be the main focus of everything we do. If what you see are pictures of Jesus with the American flag behind him holding a shotgun, that's going to, you know, it's going to really change how you view Jesus. <laughs> you know, if you see that American flag TJ mentioned over your church flag and above the cross and all that stuff, if it's in the front of the altar, you're going to associate your church with Americanism, right? Like all of the, like what we allow people to see is important, not because it's a visual medium of worship or anything like that, but it tells a lot about our priorities and what we care about. So I, I think the architecture of the church, is it built like a stadium around one stage? Is it built? The one thing I really love about Will's church is the sacrament is held up on a platform, but he usually stands down amongst the people. I like that. You know, I, I think there's importance to what we visually are emphasizing for people to see. Also, if you've never heard this, if you really want to grow your church, invest in your kids ministry, because I've never seen a successful church with a bad kids ministry. Because that's what the parents are looking for. So when Taylor and I, um, my husband, he is the creative pastor at our church. And since we're multi-site, we get the opportunity 
to travel to the different sites just to kind of, you know, help give feedback, lend a hand if they need to. But that's one thing, even though I'm not a mom, I always go and walk in the kids area. Is it clean? Is it dusted? Um, there's one church where you have to go outside. So is the weeds taken care of? Because parents have to go drop their kids off and they want their kids to feel safe. And if you're not prioritizing your kids ministry, which unfortunately a lot of churches don't have the resources and the money to do it. Um, I think that's one of the most devastating because that's our next generation. Yeah. And yeah. that's a whole nother trap we didn't mention, but treating yeah. kids ministry like babysitting, that's a trap. Mm. It's also ministry. Mm-hmm. I saw, I've seen a, a youth ministry section, uh, you know, they have like their own little building, part of the church. They're rich, they're multi-site, you know, they're flexing. It's, uh, but they had a four square ping pong table in their like lobby area. It was nice. awesome. You're talking about my parents' church? <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, that's a normal ping pong oh, yeah, that's table. Not I'm talking about yeah. specifically uh, bigger partitioned four separate equal squares. It's awesome. Four square ping pong is super fun. Where do we find? Where's this church? Uh, Hendersonville. How do we get invited? You just go. It's a church. Sweet. Let's go. It's free. I mean, but if you're gonna be a part of the youth, please be a youth volunteer and not the creepy guy that just comes and plays with you. Please. Yeah. Shave. I'm gonna walk on your knees. The building because I'm uh, treating it for insects, and then we're gonna play ping pong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want the youth in there while I'm playing. I don't like kids. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. that's a joke. So it seems like a, a lot of this would come down to like ecumenical accountability, not just within our own churches, but I feel like other churches speaking to us. You know, um, one thing that I like that's going on in Chapel Hill that's you're talking about Will a lot today. Um, their churches meet together every so often. They have these video calls and they talk about what one another's doing. And I think that's what helped some of them not fall for some of the COVID traps that were out there. You know, I think that could help us with some of the other things is just hearing what's going on from an outsider's perspective. That's still Christian can speak to a lot of these issues. Um, is there a way that our churches can come together kind of like the councils of old to hold each other accountable and prevent some of these cult like behaviors, church hurt, other harm, Christian nationalism, all that other stuff. Is there something that we can do practically pangling it? So, yeah, so I just know, at least in the Charleston area, a lot of the pastors know each other and will often, I wouldn't say collab as and do like events together. Some um, Baptist church does that in the area, but, you know, we don't get invited. Naturally. Yeah, right. Um, But so I just know like with Taylor, he loves to meet other creatives at other churches. He loves to know what they are doing because, I mean, not everyone can have, you know, all the ideas and all the success, you know, and so I think that's really important, just reaching out. And I think one of the bad things about our church is faith, because we are a mega church. A lot of people assume we suck or we're just money like oriented and whatnot. And so I feel like the jealousy of churches is uh, just church against church. I heard a statistic that if every church was filled like mass capacity, we're still only reaching a very small percent of our our community. And that's like if every church is filled to the brim. So there's not any kind of competition out there, but because you see a really shiny building and full-time pastors at one church and then Mm. a small, like, you know, bivocational pastor here, it's easy for them to kind of just get negative, negative thoughts of the bigger churches. It's just because you're mega doesn't mean you have less Jesus. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm amazed we got over an hour into our church unity podcast about church traps before someone mentioned the trap of a competition. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. You know, this is why I'm here. I love church. <laughs> um, aren't you from the rich Pentecostals anyway? Uh, no, so AG, the AG church in FC is like going downhill. No lie. Like we cannot get those churches are closing quicker than we can keep up with them with the assemblies of God. It's very sad. But one of the worst districts in South Carolina. All right. Go team. Go team. (laughs) Go team. Which is, it is what it is. But still having a successful church, you know, some people don't like it. Yep. Uh, So what would the repercussions be in the world if uh, everyone started practicing the spiritual disciplines we talked about, the ecumenical accountability, you know, not doing Christian nationalism? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think, Josh? You seem eager to speak. I'm not that eager. I think if we change the imagery, <laughs> if we, if we, you know, maybe didn't always have our pastors on stages, if we maybe kept, you know, flags away from the front of the church, <laughs> I, I think if we put, literally put the sacraments, we put the Bible, we put the cross first, literally in our imagery, and then we made it first in our dialogue, like I... I hate to be the person to use like the trickle down effect, but I do think that if we start with the most obvious what's in front of our face, that it can start making its way into other deeper parts of our conversations and maybe even the environment of the church. You know, we talked a lot about um, that one person in charge. Well, that that creates toxic leadership. You know, one of my favorite this is funny systematic ecology moment. One of my favorite comic books is The Me You Love in the Dark, and it's very much this relationship where it becomes controlling and it's between a woman and a ghost. But it becomes controlling. It becomes toxic to the point where someone gets killed. This building gets lit on fire. Someone loses their home. It, it tragic ending because relationships shouldn't be controlling. And I think when we have that one person in charge, that's kind of what happens. And I think as long as we have one person on stage in front of everybody, we're not you know having a team of pastors where they see somebody else each week. They just see one person in front of them lifted up every single week. You're going to fall for that. Yeah. Yeah, so if you change that, you won't fall for that. That's the repercussion. <laughs> I mean, you will, but I think you'll start to see the conversations change and maybe get away from so are you toxic saying environments. You won't guest pastors to come then? Or like, so? Personally, I would just destroy stages in general, but short I get mad of that. Because every time I visit the church and there's a guest pastor because I came to hear the, like, the lead pastor of the church, I feel like it happens every time. I, I hate when everything's about the lead pastor. Personally, well, I mean, like if you have a church that has, let's just whatever um a church has a pastor it has a a youth pastor an assistant pastor and five deacons and you only ever see the head pastor i think there's a problem i'd rather occasionally the deacon speak someone else do the reading you know one of the other pastors preach i mean it just isn't always the head pastor we have a lot of like pastor on staff so a lot of them will rotate and switch and whatnot between campuses so it's a lot of fun but so i was just trying to trickle down your mindset because if someone's only pastoring like a little 20 person church, they don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yep. I mean, not everybody has that luxury, but I think in, that. in that case, if I were to address the 20 person church, still get rid of the stage, but also you could have someone else come up and read a scripture and then the pastor come and talk about the scripture. Like it still can just, you don't have to be ordained oh, to come read. So the you just don't want it to be a one man show. That's yeah. pretty much what you're yeah. saying. And I, I think okay. if visually all you're seeing is one person still can be problematic. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Like, just yeah. a one-man show, because I'm like, no, I come to get fed by my pastor. Like, 
you should come to get fed by God one day. It's it's pretty tight. Yeah, but I mean, I do that on the daily. (laughs) But okay, so that makes sense. Because like just recently I went to Mass with my grandmother and I was looking forward to hearing what she hears every single Sunday. And it was a guest person. I was like, well, dang it. But I mean, it was still good. It was, you know, Mass. Yeah. But so I really, I like, that's what... I mean, like every time I go and visit a friend's church, I feel like it's always a guest speaker and they really want, you know, them to hear my, like their pastor. Yeah, that's fair. I went out of my way to go to Kevin DeYoung's church once and he wasn't there. That's Isn't true. It I get it. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah, it we is went. a little upsetting. <laughs> answer the question that TJ asked. Thank you. Uh, I will say <laughs> that you're not going to notice a lot of the effects at first because a lot of these are personal decisions people are going to have to make. Do I have someone I'm accountable to? Do I strip away some of my beliefs of what I think about nationalism, what I think about sin? And like, there will be noticeable changes after the fact, but in that moment, you've got to be patient. You've got, and like, like I said before, I don't want a progress report from my pastor saying, hey, here's how I <laughs> sinned this year. And I didn't get to grade him. It's like, no, I want... I want him to be open and honest with the people that I know I should be trusting or taking care of him, just like he's taking care of me and them. It's like, that's something you're not going to see immediately, but we've got to be patient. We've got to wait and see how that it's done. Cause if we don't trust him to get the job done at all, then what are we even doing here? Uh, I would love a progress yeah. report personally. I feel like that'd be really helpful. <laughs> but, TJ, could you answer this? Well, I think uh, we would see the unification of most churches. Internally? Externally? Yeah. Okay. Sick. Yeah. So, but before we wrap up, we like to do our God Moment segment. This is your first time here. We just talk about what God's been up to with us recently, whether that be blessing, challenge, worship, curse, anything. I always make Josh go first because I don't want to go first. So, Josh, do you have a God Moment for us this week? Yeah, I realized I was Job. I've been cursed by God. Um, No. <laughs> I actually... so. I talk about my pollinator garden enough that hopefully listeners know I have a pollinator garden on the side of my house. And there was an empty bag of Doritos in my garden. And I was upset. I was like, someone just littered and the air blew it over here, messing up my garden. And I'm mad because you know what? Not good for my little pollinators. Trash. Trash is not good. (laughs) That's why polluting is bad. But, but instead of getting mad, took a moment and just kind of I made up a scenario that's almost definitely not true but it made me feel better because it's technically possible that somebody walked into the garden because they saw some beautiful flowers and reflected on the beauty of God and just dropped their trash which hey is still terrible but at least maybe there's this possibility that they were blessed from it instead and maybe jumping to conclusions isn't always great even if it's a 95% chance that I'm right because there's a 5% chance I'm wrong that does that does sound like uh, technically possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, Peng, do you have a God moment for us? Um, sure. So I've just been having a really hard, I guess, few days, and I was reminded that if God doesn't do anything else, He's already done enough. So that's been kind of like my chant the past, I guess, like two, three days. So that's pretty much it. Even when I'm really mad at God. If he doesn't do anything else, he's already done enough. Hmm. Amen. That's real. That's real. No icks from me. All right, Christian, you're up. Uh, it's time to cheat, as per usual, as and do always. more than one. 
Yes. No, deny. Um, so the weekend that we all went down, all four of us, to have the event in Matthews, North Carolina for systematic ecology, I got to go back to my home church. And uh, lo and behold, the main pastor was not there, and we had a guest speaker. And this guest speaker, his name was Peter, and I cannot remember his last name for the life of me, but he works with World Vision Chosen, which is a group that is all about kind of think Compassion International to that sense. And we had a group of kids we were going to fund in Africa. And there was that altar call kind of moment at the end of service. It's like, hey, you can go out, leave right now. Don't worry about anyone looking at you. Just go out there. We're going to get, get your picture made. And what they do is like the child chooses you uh, wherever they set up. So families were taking photos. My mom had done it earlier in that day. So I'm sitting there and the service is practically empty. And we have three services. And I got the same report from every service of like seeing people loving someone they've never met before and going out in faith to look after them with their finances kind of made me like tear up. That's awesome. And I, I was so happy about that. And then I'll say, once again, I'll go with the future God moment in that uh, two weeks from now, I'll be going back home and I'll get to see because I have to talk about her, me. too. I'll get to see my niece, a little Malin, my little Mayday, and get to hold her in my arms and see my brother and sister-in-law and hang out with them, see my uh, sister and brother-in-law as well, and the rest of my family and just hang out. We're going to a Panthers preseason game and just hanging out with each other. Uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to because I don't get to do that up here by myself. And it's real nice to come back home and see them every now and then. Are you going to the one Sunday? Uh, is this is on the, that's no, a Saturday, I think. Oh, okay. But it sounded like going to that. <laughs> but, uh, for me, my God moment, um, uh, I don't know why I went last. I was supposed to go second. Uh, <laughs> I just kind of forgot. So, but I recently was, you know, I, I spent a little time on TikTok, you know, it's whatever it's, but sometimes it's worth it. I recently got the opportunity to not talk with, but interact with one of my favorite authors. Nice. Uh, you know, he is, he's Mormon. Interesting to get cool. his take on a couple of things. He was willing to just answer literally any question I asked. And <laughs> it was cool. For like 10 minutes. He was just like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, here's my writing process. Here's Let's how I show. incorporate themes into this. Uh, it's Brandon Sanderson. He might be a little busy. He might not be. He is. Yeah. He is. So, yeah. if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You could share it with an enemy. You can also share it with a cousin. We we do prefer that option. Yeah. Uh, fortunately for you, that is the easiest. And <laughs> once again, I just I I really want to see you in our Discord server so we can ask answer any questions you ask. And by we, I mean someone else that we know. Yeah. Yeah, we can, can just that. want you to ask us questions so we can ask someone smarter than us and then tell you what they said. <laughs> yeah, I, I yearn to be a, a mediator. Yeah, we've got some pretty sure. cool connections through the show, so we might get an answer from someone cool. Yeah, you might get Christian, but you might get someone cool. I'm just I'm joking. I'm joking. Christian, don't cancel me. Um, also, yeah, check yeah. out our other show. Speaking of which, <laughs> the Amazon Ministry Podcast Network, like Christian show, the Let Nothing Move You, my other show, Dummy for Theology. TJ has one coming up. I am um, ever trying to get 
the, the Clyde's on with uh, with a secret project. I don't know if it's secret anymore, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's not secret. We just don't announce it on our social media because it's my like it's our it's our diary pretty much, and I'm not ready for people in my circle to know about it. Yeah, just look really hard. You'll find it. <laughs> it's just the Clyde's. Yeah. All right. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Come back next week. We'll be interviewing uh, Serena Higgins. PhD in English literature and host of 1619 and 1776, a church unity podcast. There are others. Uh, after that, Dr. <laughs> Thomas Ord and Christian Ashley will be joining us again to discuss different views on the doctrine of hell. Next, Alex and Grace Trans, host of the Let's Unpack That podcast, will be joining us to discuss doing ministry together as a married couple. And then finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. As soon as he's made aware. So someone let him know. <laughs> Yeah, once we told them. Do you want me to use my Asian connection with them? Yes. yes please. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> That's one yeah, I just we think know they're not even trying hard enough. Oh, no, no. It's we know people episodes. who have his phone number. We have had people who are like directly regular in contact with him on the show. We just, uh, you know, we feel like if we say it enough time on there, eventually he'll hear it and just connect with us. Yeah. It's the lazy way out. <laughs> yep. God said something about I'd say you're playing hard to get, but someone has to know you exist first. (laughs) Not true. That's just the hardest to get. Yeah. (laughs)